Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 Chai FM. It's now minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. And as I promised you last week, we're going to be doing something slightly different this week. Um, I didn't organize that advert from Diskim ahead of, our, of the show when it started, but Diskim basically stole my thunder because that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about New Year's resolutions and how we can tie those into our financial resolutions for the year. And therefore, it gives me great w- pleasure to welcome Tony DeGoveo, who is a, f- a a clinical psychologist at Akeso Clinic in Alberton. Tony, welcome to Chai FM. Thanks. Uh, nice, nice to be on your show. Wonderful. Thank you. Tony, I didn't organize that advert that came on just before I did the intro, but uh, that's what we're really talking about. We're talking about New Year's resolutions, and maybe let's start there. Um, January has come. I think if we if we position it politically, if we position it even socially, there, there's there's an upbeat step in the country at the moment. People are positive, people are looking forward, and uh, all South Africans need is a bit of a challenge, and then they rise to the occasion. But each individual, whether they went on holiday, they didn't have or go on holiday, they've got a 12 month period ahead of them. They want to just get things right. Talk us through yeah. it. Well, yeah, I, I guess that um, most people at this stage would have made some New Year's resolutions and probably by now a lot of them would have um, uh, given up on them. And I think that was the context of the, the article that I wrote, is that uh, very often people set New Year's resolutions without understanding how we really change. And and what I try to point out is that whatever changes we want for the new year need, needs to become habits. And we need to understand how habits work. And uh, one of the key factors in habits is, is consistent behavior over time. Uh, and that people have to behave consistently in a new way for at least three weeks uh, or more, some cases, uh, up to a couple of months to, to cement this new behavior. The problem, of course, is that, that we give up before the time. Tony, I'll tell you what, I'm not giving up on you at all, just that the line is really, really poor. So we're going to quickly no. run to an ad break. If you wouldn't mind just moving around, there's a lot of echo coming through from, from sure. the line. Um, let's take I'll, a quick I'll, ad break and we'll come back to you in a moment. Okay, all right. A frequency like no other 101.9 High FM So Fred, you say the job was unsuccessful (laughs) Yeah Are you sure you're using the right Roto-Rooter, eh? Yeah, there are people pretending to be Roto-Rooter So make sure you have the right name and number If it's not 011-444040 It's not the real Roto-Rooter Oh, thanks George, I'll remember that The real number, when your drain or plumbing is being naughty Is the only one 011-444040 Roto-Rooter Avi on money. 12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It's 12 minutes past the hour. We are talking to Tony de Gaveo, who is a clinical psychologist at Kesso Clinic in Alberton. Tony, can we hear you clearly? Uh, yes, I can. That's much better. Thank you. Tony, so you were saying at the end there that 
people make resolutions and we are now sitting just towards the end of um, January and those resolutions have already gone up in smoke. Let's continue from there because the line wasn't clear. Yes, and I'm saying that um, people people give up. Uh, sorry, we're getting a bit. Um, is that better? Yes, that's better. Thank you. I'm not hearing you very clearly. But what I'm trying to say is that people need to um, factor in time in the development of of habits. Um, and that the new change needs to uh, needs that uh, a time uh, in order for it to become automatic. So much like you know when you drive a, a car, initially you 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 do it very consciously, but with sufficient um, practice and, and repetition, that you eventually then drive without thinking about it, and that's that's the point we have to reach with our new behavior, that it becomes automatic. And unfortunately, like I said, we tend to give up before um, we get to this point. So one thing you mentioned in the article is that the goals need to be set to what you call smart goals, and that are, those are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and a time frame. Um, it's time and time frame. So that, that's, those are the, the sort of the, the borders within which one has to work. If I just go to the one about achievable, would that not be the most important one? If I wake up in the morning and say, this year I'm going to save X amount of money a month, or this year I'm going to earn X amount of money a month, it's a fantasy. Reality dictates that that's not really going to be done. Is that not already you know, setting yourself up for failure before you start? I think you're correct. I think most people... Um, slip up on that one because the achievable refers to the logistics of whatever the goal is that we've set and very often we don't factor in all the logistics you know uh, if we for example are going to go to climb Everest we've got to that's a whole logistical exercise that we need to put into effect before we can even get you know that it usually takes maybe two years of preparation to get to Kathmandu, and it's the same thing with us. We we don't factor in what resources that we need uh, to to um, to achieve our goal. And if, in the case of saving, very often we forget the budget, and uh, certain items are left out of the budget. So then we 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 have to then you know our, our plan falls because of that. You know, one thing that um, setting goals that I, you know, I can see because I do it, you know, regularly with clients, is that it can either be a sense of security. Wow, I finally know what the reality is. I see it in front of me. It's not achievable right now. We can't do A, B, and F, but we can sort of, you know, work towards it. And then on the other hand, you get this reaction like. Well, that's just so out of my ballpark that to hell with it. There's no way I can even do it. Um, you know, let's maybe move away from finances and, 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 and budgeting like that. And, and, and a goal that I think the majority of people aim for in January is to exercise, to get into shape or to lose a bit of weight and to spend some more time with family. And I think those tie up very well with financial planning because if you don't get those right, then you become a bit of a machine and you, you become one-sided where you, as financial planners are being about holistic. Let's take the exercise one, for example. Um, 
the, the majority of people had plans in October, November to get ready for the beach and then as the year ended, they decided a T-shirt would be a lot easier way to, to get ready for the beach. But come January, I'm going to get it right. Let's just spend a few minutes on, on exercise. A person who's busy, a person whose life is frenetic, a mother with children and lift schemes. How does she or he get that right without it going up in smoke before it starts? Well, you know, again, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we, we back to smart. Um, uh, the, the, the whole idea is to, to get into some level of consistent behavior. So what, what consistent behavior can you do, which is within, uh, you know, within the logistics, you know, that it is achievable, um, and, and also that, that, that it is, it is measurable. So, so we need to, to perhaps become a bit pedantic. Um, but the whole idea is just to get going, um, uh, to get some sort of momentum. And once we've got that momentum, then one can build on, on that. Um, you know, like I say, it's easier to, to fix a car that's going than, than one that's, that's stopped completely. So the whole idea is, is to just keep, just keep moving. And, and, uh, you know, even if one slips up, um, you know, you know, we, we, the whole issue of failure, you know, if you slip up, start again and just keep the ball, the, the ball rolling rather than to, just to, to sort of set too high standards, um, and then just, and, and, and then become dis, discouraged and disillusioned because of that. You know, I always give a simple example is that if you're driving down to Cape Town and you have a puncture mm. or something mm. even a little bit more severe, do you throw the car away and hitchhike on the other side of the road back to Joburg? Or do you say, well, this was unforeseen, let's sort it out and let's continue because ultimately I want to get to Cape Town. So, yeah. you know, you've got to expect potholes in the road. You've got to expect detours. And if you factor those in, then when they arrive, you say, oh, well, this is what I was waiting for. This is what's going to happen. All I need to do is just fuss bait and get back on track. We you know whether you exit exercising and you you pop a calf which knocks you out for two three weeks or maybe you trip on the road and you know and you hurt yourself that's just what happens unfortunately so you won't get your goal in july you'll get there in october it's not the end of the world absolutely and you, what you're referring to here the concept in psychology we call resilience and the key factor in resilience is perseverance and 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 you know the, the Chinese are saying if you if you fall seven times you've got to get up eight times uh, and and that's that's the kind of mentality we need to develop we've got to get up you know it's Rocky Balboa you know get off up off the canvas and get back in the ring and 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 that's that's where a lot of us keep falling down and that's that's a skill that we've got to learn to to develop is this just get up get back on the road, get back on the road. And, and eventually, we're going to get enough traction that it's going to become easier and easier and easier. So that leads on to the next thing, you know, and that's about where you hit the road in your mind one time too many. And what you actually need is a helping hand. But before we get there, maybe you would know, I remember seeing on the Oprah show, and uh, uh, um, just for reference, it happened to be a, a lady in America who had a very, very checkered background. Um, it came from the inner city, you know, poverty, the whole story. And her mantra was, you only need to get up one more time. 
That's all I'm asking Ooh. you to do is get up one more time. And you know, something that I've often kept in the back of my mind because life happens and you sometimes just feel like, okay, I've had enough. I'm just get me out of here. I can't handle one more screaming client. I can't handle one more, I don't know, technical inefficiency. And it's just a matter about getting over that. But what happens to that person where they just feel, I want to get up, but I actually need, a, I need help. I actually need someone to bend down and help me up and stay with me until my feet stop wobbling. Yes, I, I think that that's that's a very important insight, and and uh, and uh, and unfortunately, a lot of people, because of pride and ego, do you know don't want to admit that uh, they need that help or assistance. But the fact of the matter is that you know. You know, to, uh, up to 20% of the world population experiences some form of depression at some level. And, and uh, you know, the statistics going to the future in the, in the 21st century, depression is eventually going to become the number one medical condition, according to some experts. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a case of this is an ever-present reality, and there are many health uh, care professionals, both in state and private health care, who are, are ready and uh, facil- uh, ready and, and, and waiting to assist. And uh, and the lack of you know the the, the institution that I, I work at, in Kessel Clinic, um, based all over South Africa, uh, and there are also uh, NGOs. Uh, such as the uh, depression and anxiety group, uh, who are there to to help people who've you know who who are battling with anxiety and depression. Tony, I know this is a, a question that one shouldn't maybe ask uh, flippantly, and I, I hope I'm not coming across as that. And we're we short on time, but. W- what is, what are the telltale signs if someone's listening to the show and they're feeling mm. really really down? The year started, they got out of bed and they tripped over the cat and then they cracked their their their, their eye on on the bookshelf and then they are everything just went wrong and they they staring down the the proverbial barrel of a gun, you know the month's not looking good, uh, the, and they're not quite sure whether they're just having a rough time or they're actually slipping into depression. Where does one, where if one was honest with oneself, where would one put up their hand and say, "Whoa, I need help"? Well, well, there are a couple of telltale signs which are indicative of uh, what we call a, a major or clinical depression, um, and and and. You know, besides the obvious depressed mood, there are a couple of physical symptoms. And one of the key ones in my experience is uh, sleeping problems. Um, people uh, backing to fall asleep, uh, waking up in the middle of the night, what we call early morning awakening, uh, waking up in the morning and feeling whacked as if they hadn't slept at all. Uh, then we've got, uh, we've got, uh, Weight, uh, weight and appetite problems, uh, either increase or decrease. Um, we've got concentration problems. Uh, we've got, uh, problems with energy levels where, you know, you just don't, just can't get out of bed, not enough energy to, to deal with the day. Um, obviously there are also libido, lower libido, um, and, Together with that, also we have uh, suicidal thinking. Uh, so, so those are those are some of the telltale symptoms of a clinical depression. And if if those symptoms persist for for over two two weeks or more, then then one should really start thinking about getting some um, some 
some help from a, from a, a mental health professional or general practitioner. Tony, thanks for that insight. We, we're running out of time, so I just want to go towards the end of your press release. Um, I, just to share with, with the listeners what happened to me this year is I, I, I came back from holiday. Um, I didn't have much of a break. We were very busy, and uh, I don't cope well without my support system around me, and everybody was on leave, um, and uh, there was just a lot to do. And I came back feeling very, very tired. Um, and then I bumped into a colleague, and on our Vitality apps on our phone, she said to me, well, you know, how many active points have you got this year? So I was quite proud because I achieved my goal every week, etc. And she looked at it, she said to me, no, 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 no. I haven't missed one day. So I said, come, that's a bit excessive. She said, no, I've got a thing with two guys of your colleagues in Pretoria. We are challenging each other to get to a particular goal by a particular time. And I just thought to myself, maybe that's just what I need. I need something to distract me from the fact that I'm feeling a little bit sorry for myself. And mm. all of a sudden, this whole distraction just... You know, getting up wasn't an issue anymore because there's no ways that Charlene was going to beat me. And, you know, mm. all of a sudden, I've had a little bit of a change, a little bit of a you know, tempo, upper tempo in my step, simply because I've, I've distracted myself from my self-pity, so to speak. Mm. You know, is, is, is that something that people should actively look at doing? Um, absolutely. I, I, I cannot emphasize enough the... the, the the importance of, of support groups. I, I, I run one, I run one myself. But the, the presence of other people, you know, the research is very clear. Those people who have supportive networks are far less likely to fall, uh, prey to, to depression and, and, and other psychological maladies. Um, so, so your supportive network is extremely important. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, many people uh, in our society are alienated, isolated. They don't either are not members of a church or, or a gym or whatever where they can get that support. They, they live lonely lives um, unnoticed by the people around them. And, that's, and those people are at risk for, for a lot of uh, psychological problems. Tony, just to finish off, you, you've, got, you've got your five, tip, to, five tips to make the best of whatever 2018 may bring. I just want to quickly yes. go through, and the one is smile. Develop an, an optimistic attitude. It makes a difference. And number two, develop your emotional intelligence. That's your EQ skills. These will come handy at any time when you are under stress. Number three, do a personal, a personal strategic, strategic analysis and strategic plan. Um, if it works for big corporates, it can work for you. I want to come back to that with you in a moment. Number four, you will need to develop a mindful or mindfulness approach to life, which will create a sensitivity and space for your personal change and experimentation. And lastly, in line with the above, remember that threats and crises are opportunities. And strangers of and strangers of friends you do not know. In other words, you one needs to pick one's head up, one needs to open one's eyes, and just Ooh. embrace what comes towards you. Absolutely. You know, in the financial world, we always talk about a financial needs analysis. Um, the yeah. first time you do it, it's a bit painful because you need to remember where that Kruger Rand is. You don't really want to tell the financial plan in front of your wife that you've got this credit card running on the side, etc., etc. But once it's done, it's done. The next time you meet with your financial planner, it's just rehashing or tweaking what you've got. What is this personal strategic analysis or strategic plan? Okay. Well, look, 
you know, um, when uh, in the corporate world we talk about a means ends analysis. In other words, um, it's very much linked to what is your personal vision, okay? And where do you see yourself heading as a person? So, so, and this is why you know, at, the, at the beginning of the year, people sort of start dreaming and they imagine, you know, the holiday in, in Mauritius or whatever it is. And then once, so that, 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 that vision then becomes like a goal. And then, and then obviously in terms of that strategic goal, you can then, um, start setting up steps via smart goals, for example, to start achieving that goal. So then you start putting a savings plan in place to save for the holiday or, or, or whatever it might be. So, so basically it, it's, it's sitting down, you know, formally at the beginning of the year and, and drawing up, um, a list of, of goals, um, or, 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 or sort of ideals that one wants to try and achieve in the next 12 months or, or, you know, you could take a long and longer scenario, but it's usually a year. Um, and, 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 and then start working towards those and, and then sort of almost sort of formalizing them and writing them down, putting them on your fridge. So that becomes like, you know, like a strat plan, uh, in, for a corporate. In other words, if you don't have a, if you don't have a goal, you can't score. One has to see something that has to be achievable, it has to be a tangible, but it also has to be realistic in order to give you some motivation, you know, to yes. deal with the potholes in order to achieve the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Tony, we're out of time, but thank you so much for your time. I just want to check, how do people get in touch with you personally, and how do they get in touch with your organization? Um. Well, they can, they can just, uh, I'm at, um, Akisa Clinic in, in Alberton. Um, do, do you want me to give the number? Yes, or, please uh, do. Please do. Uh, it's 087 0456. Great. And they can just ask for you, or if you're busy, they can ask for another professional over there. Yes, yes, for sure, yeah. Fantastic. And then, and then if they're not in the area, we have, we have uh, a case of clinics in, uh, we've got three in, 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 in Johannesburg and we've got, and if there, there are other centers like Cape Town, Durban, Nelspruit. So, um, so, you know, yeah, they can, uh, they can, can find a, a case of, uh, you know, in, in their area. Fantastic. Tony, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to ask Michelle to put it on my Facebook page. Anybody wants information can go there. And if you just want a little bit of help besides financial planning, just to make sure that emotionally you can deal with what's coming this year, please give Tony a call. Tony, thanks so much for your time. Thanks a lot. It's a pleasure to be with you. Great. That was Tony de Gouveia, who is a clinical psychologist at Akeso in Alberton. I thought it was a wonderful chat. Um, we will put the, put the uh, press release on our Facebook page. Uh, it's definitely worth a read. It's interesting to see, you know, the, the general challenges that people have with starting the year, with getting things started, with getting things organized. You know, I always say that uh, in December you become all creative and you become a Picasso in your mind with beautiful artwork and what you're going to do and what you're going to achieve. And then the moment you walk into your office and you get that first bit of panic uh, in the beginning of the year, you, you're not in the groove of things and you've got to deal with what you dealt with very easily in December. But now you've just, you know, you've been vegetating on the beach for three weeks. The creativity vaporizes and disappears. And I think it's very important, Simon, to make sure that we have a big enough vision 
that it doesn't disappear every time there's a bit of a roadblock or a detour. But let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. Avi on money. 12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 Chai FM. It's 34 minutes past 12. And in other words, it is 26 minutes to the hour of one. Thanks so much for staying with us. I thought that was a very, very interesting um, interview. If you want to speak a little bit more or you want to get some information from Tony, he gave out the number. We, pull, we, we will put it on our Facebook page. But he works at a Keso. That's A-K-E-S-O um, Clinic in Alberton. Um, and uh, give him a call. If you've got a corporate, you've got people starting, you want to make sure that you can keep the Chiesa energy Going throughout the year, you want to make sure that when you are doing your strategic or strat plan for the year, that it's achievable and it is manageable by the people in your team. Uh, it might very well be worth your while to speak to Tony because that was one of, that's one of the biggest problems that we have in the larger or even smaller organisations where everybody's energetic, everybody's full of great ideas, and then the year starts and you say, you know, I've got a whole year or I've got six months or three months to get. I'll get it right now. I've got to put this fire out and that fire out. And by the time the end of the day comes, the creativity is not what it was at 8 o'clock in the morning. And then it starts again the next morning, all energetic, and a business day goes on, and you, you lose that energy. So if you can just have someone guiding you and setting goals that are measurable and achievable, uh, I think it will go a long way to helping your organization. Um, I just want to thank two um, people specifically who sent through emails and uh, were in touch with us on our Facebook page with specific questions relating to different investments. Um, I'm constantly um, reminded that those of us in the financial planning arena, those of us in the financial services um, business, tend to use acronyms, tend to use fancy words, tend to use jargon that is daily talk for us, but is absolute Latin to the rest of the world. And it is amazing when you'll sit in a meeting and you'll speak and you'll inadvertently use a term and in the back of your mind you're wondering, does the person know what I'm talking about? And you get this nod like, yeah, we understand, and the meeting goes on and then you sort of throw in a bit of a curveball and you realize that the person was too proud to say, sorry, I didn't understand what you meant. Please can you explain it? And the analogy I often give is that I have a client who's a cardiac surgeon in Pretoria, an incredibly well-respected doctor, a a great sportsman, a a wonderful man, incredibly well-read. But when it comes to financial matters, he's... He's really taken a back seat on that. He's very organized and very systematic, systematic. But the moment you throw out a terminology at him that he doesn't understand, he says to you, please speak English. I don't understand what you're saying. He said, if I had to explain to my clients, my patients, sorry, what's wrong with their heart in medical speak, how would they be able to monitor and manage their health when they don't know what I'm talking about? You know, and tongue-in-cheek what he's saying is i know you're a professional and i know you're top of your game you don't need to be arrogant about it by using terminology that other people don't understand and i think it's just the other way around if someone is secure and someone is confident in their profession they then have the ability to um, contract that knowledge and give it over in such a way that is really, really understandable. And just before we get into it, um, I've never met Magnus Haystack, but the, one of the reasons I got into financial planning was that I used to go to school every day down Louis Berta Avenue in the car, and the equivalent of um, 
Classic FM was on and the, the, the financial show would come on and this guy would just speak absolute gobbledygook from beginning to end, figures, numbers. Didn't know what he was talking about. And I remember thinking, I can't be that daft that someone can speak in English and I have no idea what he's talking about. And then the next year I got my own car, thanks to my parents, and I would drive to, I was in Yeshiva in those days, to Yeshiva back and forth every day, and I would turn to 702, and Magnus Haystack would come on, and all of a sudden he's talking about the markets, about investments, and it makes sense. I don't say I understood everything. I don't say that I really got the nuts and bolts of what was going on. But I felt that I could grapple with it. I could take the terminology away and go and look it up. I could call in and say, you spoke about a particular investment that had a term. I forget the term, the name for it, but please just explain how that would work. And that, to me, was the measure of the man, that he had the ability to speak in such a way that intelligent people could understand him without being turned off by the arrogance of the jargon. So, you know, just in everything that we do every day, whether you are a, a professional or you're an artisan, it's very important, I suppose, to come across in such a way that the client that is engaging with you feels that you are speaking to them in such a way that there's no smoke and, and, and daggers. There's no hidden agenda. Everything's out on the table and the terminology that is used is very simple. So today I'm going to start a, 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 the first um, part of a three-part series, which I'll continue for the next two weeks after this week, and that is really breaking down the different investment vehicles that we have in South Africa. And, you know, what you'll find is that people will say to you, you don't trust, I don't trust those things. And when you go and ask the person, Please explain to me what a unit trust is, what it is there about it that you don't trust. Then all of a sudden you get this glazed look to say, um, I'm not quite sure what's going on. And yeah, I had a friend who told me. So let's unpack those things in the next 20 minutes and we'll continue it for the next two weeks in about a 20 minute segment. So let's take a quick break and then I'll come back with the different investment scenarios. Avi on money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It's 19 minutes, or 21 minutes rather, sorry, to the hour of one. As I said before the break, we are starting a the first week of a three-week series where we're going to break down the different investment vehicles that one has in South Africa that you can save money and that you can invest money. We're going to go through each one, see what the advantages are, what maybe the pitfalls are, and what they're suited to. So let's start at the very, very beginning. And my question would be, what is the difference between saving and investing? And often when you ask the question, you get a look like, well, is there really a difference? And the answer to that is yes. And it's one word. It's called risk. When one saves, one takes money and one puts it in the bank. The risk, we can almost say, is zero. Because the chance of a bank folding, and even if the bank does fold, and we've had it in the past with the, the trust banks and the Sambos, but they were amalgamated and people didn't really lose their savings. Um, that the risk of your money disappearing is almost zero. So let's say that there is no risk. You also know the exact return that you're going to get. If you put your money in a fixed deposit and Standard Bank, for example, says to you, we are going to give you 6%, 
you need to ask is it six percent annually how often is it um, is it calculated but that will get to a little bit later but let's add six percent and you put in a thousand rand then you know that you are going to get a fixed return on your thousand rand of six rand because of 60 rand so that is the return you're going to get the next year if the return, if the interest rate stays the same, you're going to get 6% on 1,060 Rand. And that is what is referred to as compound interest. Is you are now earning interest on money that you earned the previous year. So your money starts to grow on itself. So your interest becomes a comes capital which interest is now attributed to and so your money grows those of you who have positive bank balances and you've got money sitting in a money market account and you move money over to a current account to transact you'll see that from time to time money appears in your account depending on how much you've got you know it might be two rand it might be 23 rand it might be two thousand rand but that's money that the bank is giving you for holding a positive balance with them and that is called interest. And that is what we refer to as savings because it's steady, it's, it's achieve, it's not steady, it is um, calculated, calculable. You can work out how much you will have at the end of the period based on the information that's given to you. One pitfall that you need to be aware of is fees. But the bank will be upfront. They'll tell you what the fees are. They'll tell you what they're going to charge you. And therefore, you can go and calculate. So, you know, to give this player a scenario, someone comes to you and says, oh, Avi, it's January. I want to go to Mauritius in December. I want to invest to go to Mauritius in December. My answer to them most probably would be, you don't want to necessarily invest. You most likely want to save because you don't want to have that money over a short period of maybe six months for half until you pay your deposit and then the other six months until you have to pay the rest of your, your costs and your, sa- your spending money. You don't want to put that under risk. You want to put it away somewhere where it's safe, where the money will work for you and give you a bit of interest so that you don't have to worry about your capital disappearing. So the corollary to that, the answer might be, well, that's all good and well, but... You know, if I buy this and this share, last year it gave a dividend of X, it gave a return of Y. And the answer would be, well, that's great. If you're prepared to put the money in the share, and if the share does not perform, and in fact goes backwards, are you going to be able to stomach the loss? And when the R's roll back in their head, then you know the answer is no. So that's the first thing when it comes to investing and saving to get clear. That saving is risk-free, it's determinable, you get a fixed interest rate and you know what's going on with your money. But if that's the case, and in South Africa we can get 6%, let's say, on a fixed deposit at certain banks for certain amounts, that is but. 4% 4% more, 5% more, then you can get a normal bank account in the UK or in the States. Why would we bother to take more risk when we could put our money in an investment and have absolutely no risk to it? It grows, you sleep at night, and you have this compounding effect that I've just explained, and you don't have to worry about the markets. You don't have to worry about ANC national conferences. You don't have to worry about tweets from, uh, from um, Donald Trump. The reason is a wonderful word called inflation. Now, inflation simply is the cost increase year on year 
of goods and services. So, if inflation is running at, as we say, as you know, the, the, the um, Reserve Bank has, a, has an inflation target. If it's running at the top of that target, which is 6%, and you're getting 6% return on your money, you're technically standing still. So let's break that down a little bit. You earn on your 1,000 Rand 60 Rand. But goods and services that you could have purchased for 1,000 Rand in 2017 are going to cost you 1,060 Rand in 2018. So the money that you have received as interest only goes to plug the hole that is created by inflation. So therefore, your purchasing power of your money has gone nowhere. You might have more money in the bank, but its purchasing power is exactly the same as it was the year before. So you can have a scenario where you invest, so you save year on year on year, and you come up with an amazing amount of money, and now you think, well, I've got enough to do, I don't know, to retire, to do what I want to do. And then you work out, what inflation is running at and you realize that you're actually going to start running out of capital because every year you're going to need to pull out more money from your investment or your saving than is, it is attracting or growing by the interest rate that it's attracted and that it's connected to. So that is the corrosive effect of not having an investment that beats inflation and having a savings product that matches inflation. We, I just want to spend the next few minutes after having said that, pointing out the places where I feel that a fixed interest rate, where a money market account, where money that is not exposed to any sort of risk really has a place. And let's start at the extreme end of the spectrum. And those are people who are in the autumn of their financial life. People who are retired, people who've got you know, a, a measurable amount of money, a finite amount of money. They know what their cost of living is on a monthly basis. They can sort of work out roughly what medical aid inflation is going to be, what levy increases are going to be based on historical information. And those are the factors that they've got. The one factor they don't have is longevity. They have no idea where they're going to live two years or 20 years. If the person is 92, I don't think 20 years is, um, is something that should worry about. But if you take someone retiring at 65, 20 years is an absolute reality. 85 is not old in 2018 anymore. And all of a sudden, that's a variable that one has to factor into the whole question. Because if you do not beat inflation on your investment, you're going to run out of money. But there's another side to that. If you expose that money to risk and there's a downturn in the market like we had in 2016, early 2017, and you are drawing money every month, you have a double negative on your investment. You have a capital depreciation because it has decreased because of the, 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 the market that it's connected to, and you're pulling and siphoning money out at the same time. If you need that money to live on and you need a fixed amount it might be smarter to get a fixed rate of return, know exactly what you're getting, pull out that money on an ongoing basis, 
and not have to worry about market fluctuations. And that's a discussion you need to have with your financial planner and maybe with your banker to understand what's going on. I know, for example, Investec has some very, very smart products for retired people where you invest money, they pay you a monthly income, and you get a return, not a return, you get an interest rate that is often unachievable on the open market. So one needs to be a little bit creative, one needs to think a little bit out of the box. If you've only gone to the bank that you've always banked at, maybe it's time to pick up the phone and say, I'd like to go and visit some other banks and go and visit banks that are not part of the Nedbank, Standard Bank, APSA, and FNB. Go to your Investex. Go to your Capitex. Go to maybe the new Discovery Bank that's open. Look around. See what bespoke companies are out there that can offer you something that can be tailored to suit your needs. And again, if it doesn't make sense, don't do it. If you don't understand it, fairly quickly and without too much effort, then I would be cautious of it because this is the only money you've got for retirement. So be careful of that and, um, you know, then move away from it. The question that just came through is about something called a fixed annuity or a fixed investment. I'm not quite sure exactly what the person's asking, but if I understand what they're saying, there are products in the market where you can invest a sum of money the insurance company will pay you a, an amount of money, either not increasing or increasing, depending on how you want to structure it, for a period of time. And they will give you the interest rate that they're using, and they will guarantee you your capital back at the end of the period. So you give them 2 million rand, they give you an income of 8,000 rand a month. And that will increase by inflation. Let's say they peg it at 4.5% every year for the next five years. And at the end of that period, you're going to get your 2 million rand back. The question is, is it a good idea or is it not a good idea? And there's no answer to it. It is, what is the right solution for you? If you're someone who wants certainty, if you want someone who knows exactly, wants to know exactly what's coming in, and the rate is acceptable. Otherwise, you can, the, the rate that they're giving you is similar to what you can get on the open market. And you can sleep at night. That might be a good idea for you. But if you're someone who says, listen, this money, yes, I want to live on it. But if it depreciates or if it has a bit of a wobbly in the market, I'm not going to panic about it. And I know that I'm going to get a fixed return of 6%. I can get 8% if I just put it into balance funds then it's not for you. So it's all about finding the right product to suit your needs. So to summarize, saving is certainty, investing is bringing an element of risk into it, and that can be moderated. But the higher the cliched um, statement is, the higher the risk, the higher the potential reward, but also the higher the potential loss. So one needs to look look at it from that angle. When it comes to putting money in the bank, one needs to know how it works, what it's all about, what you're looking to achieve. And just before I, I sign off, the one pitfall about putting money in the bank is interest and tax. You get a certain amount of interest that is tax-free every year. Once you go over that threshold, you start paying tax on that interest earnings. Yes, it's quite a large number. Yes, you need to have quite a lot of money in the bank in order to attract it. But just be aware of it. Be cognizant of it. Because the last thing you want to do is say, wow, 
I've done very well. I've got great returns. I didn't need to touch my money. It compounded nicely. And then Stars turns around and says, yeah, well done. Thank you very much. You owe us 50,000 Rand for the money that you made. Um, Good luck and keep it up for next year because we'd like to collect more from you. And there might be a more tax-efficient way of doing that. So all we've touched on today is fixed interest on in the bank, not fixed interest in investments. We'll get to that next week. But please keep your questions flowing in. Send them to me via Facebook. And I will use 20 minutes of the show next week to explain more. Next week, what I want to do is explain the difference between an endowment and a retirement annuity. And then spend the rest of the show talking about endowment and how it works. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, Michelle, for putting it together. Look forward to speaking to you next week. Have a good week. Goodbye.